Hello and welcome to the People Who Read People podcast. I'm the host of this podcast and my name is Zachary Elwood. This is a podcast about better understanding other people and the things they do and say. And it's about better understanding ourselves. You can learn more about it at behavior-podcast.com. I recently added some compilations of episodes there that might interest you. For example, I've got a compilation of the crime and investigation related episodes. I've got a compilation of the mental health related episodes. I've got a compilation of episodes related to sports and games. On this episode, I talked to Simone Mastrella, who recently did a study about anxious seeming nonverbal behavior and how it might impact job interviews. Her paper was titled Acting Anxious The Impact of Candidates' Anxious Nonverbal Behavior on Interview Performance Ratings. Simone is a PhD student in industrial organizational psychology at the University of Guelph in Ontario. When I read that paper, one experience that came to mind for me was an experience about eight years ago when I applied for a job and I thought I was treated rather badly and I thought that my anxious behavior had something to do with that. I've always had problems with eye contact and I think I could probably easily be diagnosed as being on the autistic spectrum. And as such, I've never felt comfortable in most social situations, and especially not job interviews. In this particular job interview, the woman paused like 30 minutes into talking and asked me directly, do you mind if I ask why you're not making eye contact with me? Which I thought was quite forward of her. I was kind of taken aback. Most people, I think, are aware of how people's comfort with eye contact can vary a lot, especially in a job interview setting. And I was applying for a technical writer kind of position, not something that requires much in the way of social skills or charisma. On the one hand, I respected her for being so forthright in asking me that so directly. But on the other hand, it seemed a bit inappropriate. And I'm still not sure where I follow and how good or bad it was for her to ask me that. To make a long story short, this person ended up treating me in a kind of crummy way, I thought, later and saying some kind of rude things to me. And I always wondered if that was related to how social anxiety can really affect people's perception of your likability and affect how they treat you. So even if she theoretically thought I was on paper a good fit for the job, I think my behaviors would be likely to count against me. So that explains some of my own interest in this topic and why I reached out to Simone. Okay, here's the interview with Simone Mastrella. Hi, Simone. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So maybe we can start with how did you get interested in this topic and what led you to doing this study? Mm-hmm. So I would say that my interest uh, started more broadly with you know job interviews and job selection more broadly. I think I'm intrigued by the question of you know how do we get the right people into the right jobs that they're qualified for. So this study that I did was my master's thesis. So I really got started into interview anxiety because it was a topic that my supervisor had um, done some work with on interview anxiety. And when I say interview anxiety, we can define it as, you know, a tendency for someone to feel some nervousness or apprehension whenever they're in a job interview situation. So at that time, when I was first starting on this project, the research on interview anxiety had really come up with, you know, two main findings. First, we were seeing that people who report that they tend to be anxious in their interviews tend to receive, you know, lower interview performance rating scores in their interviews. 
so they do worse. Now, it's important to note at this point, but it doesn't necessarily mean that being anxious caused them to do poorly in the interview. There, it was just a correlation. So, you know, it could be that it causes them to perform poorly, but it could also be, you know, some other reason. So maybe uh, the people that are the most anxious, you know, happen to be the least qualified for the Mm -hmm. job. And it's actually their qualifications that make them anxious. And, you know, I think maybe it'll resonate with you that the fact that, you know, you feel like you're in an interview and you have no idea what you're talking about, you know, maybe you would be more anxious. Mm So, you know, there's that angle to it. But that actually didn't seem to be the case because some newer studies at that time that my supervisor was a part of, they looked at people's anxiety in the interview and then they went on to see how it compared to their job performance once they were hired. So these were unique positions in which, you know, many people were hired uh, for the position. So it wasn't like just the top one or two, let's say. So they actually found that there wasn't a relation between interview anxiety and job performance. So it wasn't the case that the most anxious interviewees were the worst job performers. So what this really led us to think is that perhaps interview anxiety is this wedge that interferes with, you know, getting an interview performance score that is really reflective of, you know, your true qualifications. It's something in there that kind of interferes with your ability to kind of demonstrate in the interview that you have the skills, abilities, et cetera, to do well on the job. So really that kind of led to this study in the sense that we were asking, okay, so if they're not, you know, less qualified for the jobs overall, why would interview anxiety result in someone doing poorly in an interview. And in the brainstorming, you know, phase of the study design, we're like, okay, well, there could be a few reasons it could affect interview performance. And when I say interview performance, what I mean is what you say and do in an interview. And I think a lot of us are familiar with the fact that anxiety can impact, you know, both what we say and how we act. So for example, Maybe when you're anxious, you have trouble putting together a coherent response during an interview, or, you know, you're blanking out and you can't figure out good things to say. But, you know, there's also some sort of behavioral markers of anxiety, you know, like your nonverbal behavior, maybe you're fidgeting, not making eye contact, you look like you're sweating a little bit, for example, you know, it could be one of those things, or of course, it could be both. But what's really interesting here about these different possibilities is that we thought that they had very different implications depending on, you know, which one is the real driving factor. So if you have difficulty coming up with a coherent response or, you know, saying good examples that reflect your skills, well, we can't really fault an interviewer for perhaps scoring you, you know, lowly on the interview. Because, you know, you're maybe not doing the best job of demonstrating your true uh, qualifications. But on the other hand, let's say that you can come up with a good example and you can say things relatively coherently, but it's just your body language that communicates anxiety. Well, in that case, we would see a low score as being more reflective of an interviewer's bias because it doesn't really have to do with, you know, demonstrating your qualifications for the job. 
So that kind of led us to um, look specifically at the impact of nonverbal behavior of, you know, anxiety in an interview. Yeah. So you were really trying to tease out the the differences there, the different dimensions of, uh, you know, whether it was related to the the content of the of the speech or, yeah, these other nonverbal aspects that don't really affect the, what people say. Right. So exactly. Uh, what would uh, and, and maybe you could summarize like what do you feel you learned from this study what this study we did was we wanted to be able to conclude that it is the nonverbal behavior that would cause the lower ratings so we designed an experiment so with an experiment you keep everything the same but you manipulate one thing so in our study what we kept the same were the interview responses, and we manipulated the nonverbal behavior to look, you know, more or less anxious. So to keep the responses the same, you know, it meant that we used actors, that they were reciting, you know, scripted responses, and the actors were siblings, a brother and a sister, so that they looked, you know, quite similar, I would say, because we also know that things like attractiveness uh, could filter into, you know, ratings as well. Just a little bit more about the study design is that we did have the man and the woman, and we had the high and low anxious nonverbal behavior, but then we also had two jobs that the interviewee was applying for. We had a more social job. We had like a bank, you know, customer service representative, and then we had that less social job, like a bank, you know, data clerk, you know, someone just working in the back, crunching numbers sort of thing. So we thought that because interviews are social situations, we thought that looking anxious in, you know, that high stakes social situation would reflect particularly poorly if you are applying for a job that involves, you know, working with others and, you know, similar interpersonal high stakes situations. In terms of your question of what we learned, we did find support for our main hypothesis. Actually, before uh, maybe I, I went too fast, maybe you could talk a little bit about the uh what were the nonverbal specific behaviors you were you were uh, getting them to portray yeah sure good question so we had fidgeting um you know doing some little shifts in your chair and then we also had what are called self manipulation behaviors which really just uh you know looks like touching your hair touching your face maybe adjusting your clothing sort of things like that and then lastly, we had a, you know, a lack of eye contact. So they kind of averted their gaze, you know, looked more at the floor uh, differently across the conditions. Mm-hmm. I've always been curious about the use of actors. Is there, is there much, much training in that? How, how much uh, work goes into, you know, getting them to perform specific behaviors and such? That's a great question because I do think it was actually uh, unexpectedly difficult to, you know, get actors that we thought would work for the study. And those are a few reasons behind that. So first, you know, like you said, you know, kind of looking natural, you know, being trained enough to, you know, come across as relatively smooth. So it's not obvious they're actors, but also I wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything, you know, idiosyncratic about the actor that would also impact the results mm-hmm. um so for example maybe if you had i don't know like maybe like um an uncommon like hairstyle like it was you know dyed blue for example it probably wouldn't work the best for this purpose for example as far as the training that went in i feel okay about our actors in the sense of the way the results came out to be mm-hmm. in this in the conclusions that we can draw 
so first, you know, they were actors in both conditions, high anxious and low anxious. So I think what that means is that I don't think that they, if they came across a natural, let's say, I don't think they would have looked, you know, vastly unnatural across conditions because I felt like we gave proper training to ensure that the cues were, you know, quite seamless within the the videos. But also what uh, increased their confidence is, you know, the fact that we had um, we had in our survey a section where participants can write some, you know, little notes about, you know, the experience, like rating the interviewee, what they thought about it. And in the anxious condition, many of them wrote, I think it's about 75% actually, that the interviewee looked nervous or Mm. anxious. So it wasn't that they were saying, you know, this person straight up comes across weird, for example. They were really saying that it was the anxious. So I feel quite confident that it was the anxiety that they were, you know, picking up on and that was being demonstrated in the videos. And for the, I'm just kind of curious about the specifics of, uh, you know, say when you were telling the actors, you know, in one case, you're going to look relaxed and make normal eye contact and the other, you know, less eye contact or minimal eye contact. What Was there any question that they had about like, well, what exactly is uh, normal eye contact, you know, or, or were they, were they good at performing, you know, uh, so-called normal eye contact, the ambiguity in those things can, can seem, you know, more, more complex than they they seem at first. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't think I, so I think we also told them what we meant by, you know, relatively normal contacts, eye contact. So we didn't want it to be, you know, just straight up staring at the camera the entire time, because that can also be, you know, too much eye contact, so to say. Mm -hmm. So I think we said you should be aiming to, you know, look at the camera for about 75% of the time in the less anxious condition. And then, you know, look at it only for about 50% um, max for the, you know, low anxiety condition. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, no, no, that, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Yeah, maybe you can talk about what you found and and maybe also, you know, what, what surprised you. Sure. Okay. So what didn't surprise me, I'll start with that, is that we did find a difference in the interview performance scores that participants gave the interviewees. So the anxious, the high anxiety condition received a score of about 3.48 out of five. And, uh, you know, the less anxious person received a score of, you know, 4.13 out of five. Mm. So it may not seem like a huge difference. It's about like, you know, half a, half a point, but when you think about it, in reality, many jobs are competitive and there's not a ton of spots. There's way more applicants for spots. So, you know, anything that kind of makes a difference can actually have, you know, some pretty substantial consequences for who gets hired. Yeah. So this low score, where that came from is, you know, partly due to the fact that the higher, the more anxious interviewee was being rated as, you know, less competent. So that's something interesting that I don't know if it's necessarily surprising, but what we can conclude from this study is, you know, what is it about coming across as anxious that makes you look less competent? I think that's still a question to be answered, you know, but what's surprising is that there were no differences uh, between the gender of the interviewee or the job that they were applying for. So that score difference that I just spoke about, that was pretty consistent 
they got those same scores regardless if the interviewee was the man or the woman and regardless if they were applying for the more or less social job. I think that's surprising in the sense that I think it just shows, speaks to how much interviewers dislike that appearance of the anxiety. They see it negatively, you know, regardless of the job that you are applying for. And they don't tend to see it as, you know, only a negative thing if the job is supposed to be um, a little bit more social in nature. Based on your, because based on your hypotheses, you would have thought there's this uh, stereotype that, for example, anxiety in men is less expected, less part of the stereotype. So people might grade men more harshly on uh, behaviors related to anxiety. That that was part of the the hypothesis, right? It was, yeah, for sure. So the interesting thing about gender is, yes, you're right, we didn't find that the men were scored more negatively because of the anxiety in terms of their performance rating. But what we did find was that the male actor was rated to be more anxious than the woman, Mm. even though they were doing the exact same cues. That's interesting. Yeah. So what that could be feeding into is that idea of the stereotype, you know, maybe because it's less expected for men to be demonstrating these cues of anxiety. Maybe it was rated as being, you know, they look so anxious because, you know, we're just not used to seeing this level of, you know, anxiety cues in men. Whereas for the woman, if that was, if her behavior was more consistent with how they've seen, you know, many women act in interviews or other, you know, social situations, it might've just seemed like average anxiety to them. Mm -hmm. And the other part of the hypothesis was predicting that probably for the less uh, customer facing or, or less social job, like say data entry, I think maybe is what you used that people wouldn't mind the anxious cues so much because the thinking would be like, well, they're just going to be working in front of their computer on data entry or whatever it is. So it wouldn't matter as much, but yeah, interestingly, it seemed like there wasn't much difference for that either. Yeah. Well said. That's exactly it. Um, There wasn't much difference. People did mind that even though they were going to be, you know, just in the back on a computer, not facing customers that they um, displayed some cues. So when we looked at some of those open-ended responses that participants wrote, we did see a few people say, well, if they're going to be doing data, you know, they need to focus, perhaps, are they going to be too anxious or fidgety? So, you know, it does speak to a little bit of maybe they found other reasons why anxiety would be, you know, still detrimental to job performance, even if, you know, it wasn't necessarily due to, you know, interpersonal things. Yeah. We, we, we really hate, uh, we really dislike anxiety as a, uh, as a society. Yeah. We, we, it can seem like, well, this person is just not going to be cool under pressure. They're going to behave worse based on this, you know, this quick, um, uh, interaction you know we've we've had with them we just we just get a sense or a wrong sense uh that that these things tell us so much about that person you know kind of like the 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 faultiness of the the first impression kind of thing yeah i i definitely that resonates with me in the sense that that's also a conclusion that i think i've taken away from the study is that we really don't like if we see someone who you know comes across as anxious you know even if they're just demonstrating their qualifications through their responses and they had good experience through their responses. Um, we just don't like that they looked anxious. Like we draw so many 
negative conclusions about them. Uh, so it definitely makes sense to me what you just said. I do kind of wonder if it would vary in different countries, different societies, because I feel like uh, I'm curious what you think. I feel like America places uh, so much emphasis on, you know, confidence, you know, uh, maybe more than than other societies. And I feel like maybe we there's a there's a greater price to pay maybe for for appearing anxious because we value the, these confident and certain kinds of personalities so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, these these participants in our study were uh, American. Um, so I think that definitely is in line with what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, a cross-cultural uh, replication of the study could be really neat to see if that score differential is uh, replicated in a different, you know, setting that, as you say, you know, maybe doesn't, you know, penalize anxiety so much in, you know, just day-to-day life. Also kind of curious too, like it would be, it would have been interesting to just, and maybe you did this, but maybe I didn't see it. Was, was there any kind of rating of like, just a pure kind of like, I, I liked or disliked this person? Cause I kind of wonder if some of that can be a factor in these kind of kinds of behaviors too, just kind of like a gut sense of like uh, something about this person I don't like, you know, is that something that you, you occurred to you at all? Yeah, thank you. So it did. So um when I mentioned competence earlier, um, the buddy to competence in a lot of like social psychology research is this idea of warmth. So that is really about, you know, the liking of a person, their intentions. Um, and then competence, as it may sound, is more about how you think the person can do the job. Mm-hmm. So we did have participants rate both warmth and competence. But what we found, and we did find that, you know, the more anxious were also, you know, rated to be less warm. But that didn't end up being as, I guess, strong in our results because we found that the warmth and competence piece actually really overlapped. Um, So they weren't actually considered to be two distinct factors. The kind of competence one was like, you know, it kind of went around the warmth as well, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah. It's like, we may not be able to, to distinguish between, you know, what we are really sensing. Do you think that's part of it? Yeah, for sure. It could just be, that's a great point. You know, do you genuinely think that they're not going to be as capable on the job or is it more of like an instinctual reaction? Like, you know, I don't know if I like this person. I don't know if I want to work with this person, Mm -hmm. Um, that type of thing as well. Yeah. It could be hard to distinguish sometimes. Maybe Mm -hmm. we don't, we don't fully know our own thoughts as well as we think we do sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I think that's one of my favorite findings in psychology is that I think we're worse at understanding our own thoughts and, you know, our own behavior um, than we think, I would say. Uh, do you want to talk about any other uh, similar work that you've done or that you have planned? Yeah, sure. So as of right now, I'm not sure how much more plan, how many more plans I have for, you know, interview anxiety or workplace anxiety specifically, although I do really love this line of research and I would love to continue it. But what I'm getting into now is, and it does still, you know, relate to anxiety. You know, when you have a disability in the workplace that is invisible, so you can't tell just by looking at someone that they have this disability and others won't know unless you tell them. I'm really interested in, you know, people's experiences when they do tell others about their disability in the workplace. So, you know, it relates to anxiety because that disability could be an anxiety disorder. 
Um, but, you know, just more generally, regardless of your disability, uh, no matter what it is, I think choosing to disclose to someone in the workplace uh, could be an anxiety inducing experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm very early stages with that, but I think that's uh, my, you know, next research uh, line of research that I'm interested in pursuing. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for your work in this area and thanks for being willing to talk about it. Thank you so much for having me. That was Simone Mastrella, whose recent paper was titled Acting Anxious, the Impact of Candidates' Anxious Nonverbal Behavior on Interview Performance Ratings. This has been the People Who Read People podcast with me, Zach Elwood. You can learn more about it at behavior-podcast.com. If you like this podcast, please share it with your acquaintances. That's the number one way you can help me find more listeners, which will in turn encourage me to spend more time on this. Music by Small Skies.